The more sleep you get, the more dreams you'll recall, except for those of us who don't remember any of them, really. The final hours of sleep are the most important for dreaming, and the last dream of the night is the one that will stay in your head. Dreams keep our brains ticking over, says an article in The Conversation online. They wash the thoughts from the day's events at a molecular level. They may even help us imagine what's possible during our waking hours with subconscious life advice. I'm paraphrasing, but that seems to be the, the message. All the more reason to be able to dream, which requires sleep. You may have noticed that the importance of sleep is being highlighted more and more for our mental and physical health. New research keeps underscoring just how vital a decent sleep regime is. Maybe about a third of New Zealanders, according to an Auckland University study, perhaps nudging 40% even, are just not getting enough shut-eye. The evidence seems to be on our roads, actually. In Auckland, they're busier, earlier than they ever were. Many people have to fit in work, recreation and family life into smaller frames of time. And if sleep isn't optimal, then stress can start to cascade. Dr. Sanya Jellick has led an important study, the first of its kind, that explains scientifically what's happening to us and to our hearts when we don't get more than seven hours kip. Sanya is the director of the Center for Sleep Medicine at Columbia University in New York and a professor of medicine in its College of Physicians and Surgeons. Hello, Sanya. Hello, Jim. Even a mild-seeming shortage of sleep has repercussions, particularly in later life, with ailments like heart disease. That's the gist of these findings from you and your team, Sanya? Yes. Um, And actually, uh, this is the first time that um, the study has established causality, causal relationship between short sleep and uh, biological changes inside the blood vessels, whether shortening their sleep would induce some kind of changes on their otherwise healthy uh, blood vessel function. And we found that it did. If we're not sleeping properly, our vascular cells may be drowning in oxidants, and that's above the pay grade of most of us to understand at first hearing. (laughs) Can Can I ask you to explain that? Yes. So uh, one of the main function of sleep is uh, sleep is a very active process. People think because we don't move, the body doesn't do anything. But in fact, it does many things. And one of the major function of sleep is to clear uh, so-called oxidative or oxidant stress, which is a normal byproduct of metabolism. Uh, of all cells uh, throughout the night. So normally there is something called antioxidant response, meaning uh, a certain number of uh, proteins are are upregulated and they work in concert to clear this uh, accumulated level of oxidative stress. So what we found is that uh, in these women who sleep normally at baseline, when you restrict their sleep very mildly, mimicking a real life situation, just like about an hour to an hour and a half less than uh, what's recommended, that their uh, accumulated oxidative stress is not properly clear. It remains there and it can be detected uh, after about six weeks of this short sleep during daytime hours. 
So that means that there is some kind of carryover effect from this uh, behavior into a daytime uh, blood vessel function. So you started to see damaging effects of shortened sleep quite soon in these women. Uh, The results would apply equally to men, though? That we don't know. Uh, We studied women because women... uh, complain about uh, sleep as impacting their health more than men at healthcare encounters. And also uh, uh, women um, perceive they have insufficient sleep, despite in most survey studies sleeping the same amount uh, as men or even a few minutes longer. So there's clearly a problem. And some uh, biological studies looking at the uh, inflammation at a systemic level, blood levels of inflammatory markers found that women have more pro-inflammatory response, meaning exaggerated uh, um, inflammation after uh, shortening sleep compared to men. And also another thing that interests us is because women have this specific caregiver role in a society, first to young children and later uh, to elderly family members, and even though uh, many men do that, uh, but still, uh, uh, overall, this 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 duty falls mostly on women, and that definitely impacts their sleep because some of these uh, caregiving uh, responsibilities o- occur actually at night. It could be simply, I'm inferring that women, because of their roles in life, even in modern society, it could be that women need more sleep. That, that that is perfectly possible. I, as a woman, completely agree with you. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. From a scientific standpoint, that's a very interesting suggestion. Uh, definitely, I will think about it. And cells, just to further explain, cells that are inflamed and dysfunctional because of oxidative stress are the first step, as it were, on the path to cardiovascular disease. Yes, that's one of the processes that uh, initiates inflammation, and inflammation is generally early and a difficult to detect sign in a blood vessel function. Um, just for illustration, we did not notice any change in the blood pressure levels, which is something that you get measured when you go to doctor's office. So the blood pressure was not higher. Uh, these women did not gain weight, interestingly, and the level of physical activity didn't really change, probably because this... Uh, sleep restriction was very uh, mild uh, but the 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 function of their uh, of their uh, blood vessel cells did change uh, when we obviously collected those cells and investigated in, in the laboratory setting gee this is like a stealth attack on the body as it were not showing up when you first get your blood pressure taken at the gp or do the usual health checks you wouldn't know you no, no, you wouldn't know. It doesn't seem to be detectable uh, by these um, routine uh, measurements, uh, physiologic measurements that we do when we go to doctor's office. But this, that's why research is here to point out that stuff is happening before you can even tell. Definitely, before it shows, there are signs there probably for some time. Most people, whatever the gender, uh, if they're too busy. And, you know, who isn't these days if they're working and have families? Most people tend to get up at the same time, I saw from your study. It's the nighttime schedule that is the culprit often? Yes. What most people uh, do is they cut into their bedtime. So 
it's interesting that uh, several studies show that a vast uh, uh, majority of population, more than 70%, uses electronic devices within one hour of bedtime. I mean, that's just, um, you know, I mean, probably nobody's surprised here because we all do it. About one third of population behaves that way in the Western world. <laughs> Dr. Sanya Jalik is with us. Isn't this because even if we are tired when we get up and we may be tired through the day, we seem to rally somehow in the evening often, don't we? And there are always to-do lists. Yes, but it's, um, you know, I, I understand that. Uh, in fact, um, sometimes that this kind of bedtime sleep, sleep schedule is not really under our control. There are a lot of people in difficult circumstances who have more than one job, who have a very long commute, uh, who have a, a, a multiple family and work obligations. So, you know, sometimes we don't have a choice to uh, just have a really set time in some people it works as as long as you can get seven hours of sleep yeah i mean if you well, know you are done by 11 and get up at six that should be okay you're doing more research i saw on bedtime variability sanya we already know the advice about no blue screens before bedtime and regular bedtimes a darkened room and all that what else is there to usefully know Mm. Um, and then no heavy meals, no heavy exercise, nothing really, uh, uh, you know, very active about two hours before bedtime. Uh, definitely work should stop at least two hours before bedtime. And we should have some, all of us, some kind of relaxing uh, rituals a few hours before bedtime. Consistent daytime napping, despite all these advice about power nap, in quotation marks. Um, that usually uh, reduces a, a, a normal sleep drive, so it takes a longer time to fall asleep. There have been studies evaluating whether wearing lenses in the evening that filter out blue light can help us sleep, but I think the results have been indeterminate. Well, I, I'd say maybe no blue light, then you don't need any lenses. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> so... Uh, I have no idea, but uh, again, you know, I, I think uh, looking at, I mean, annoying news at night is definitely not going to help a person sleep. I don't know if this is strictly within your purview, but we read that oxidative stress can be mitigated to quite a large extent by a better diet. What's your view? Because achieving good work-life balance in all respects can be a tall order, as we've discussed, you know, for lots of people listening probably. How much would diet help, improved diet? Oh, absolutely. Definitely, I would say so. Um, the thing, uh, the question about uh, antioxidant diet, I mean, you know, objective studies um, uh, that, that used uh, uh, randomly allocated some kind of antioxidant vitamins um, versus placebo, meaning inactive uh, pill equivalent to it, uh, showed no benefit uh, for lowering uh, oxidative stress or cardiovascular risk. Interesting research and interesting information. Before we go, what do you yourself do and maybe your colleagues? I'm sure you throw this topic around in terms of getting optimal sleep. Oh, yes. Whenever there's a sleep conference, everybody arrives at the last minute <laughs> because we really value sleep. <laughs> so, so, yes, in the absence of some, you know, 
health issues, very difficult, you know, family loss, this and that. I mean, I sleep well. I try to stick to this constant sleep, uh, uh, bedtime, wake time as much as I can and uh, to get at least eight hours of sleep. So, yes, I, I try to do what I, <laughs> what I advise patients to do. A quick question. In terms of the noise, does it work to put on earplugs and such when has anyone done research on this or is the body just designed with its own ears unimpeded ears to sleep through a certain amount of noise yes after we fall asleep noise doesn't really play a role unless it's massive and wakes us up but um, some people find it difficult to fall asleep in the presence of any noise and obviously in urban environments this there's a continuous noise pollution as well as light pollution. So we advocate uh, as dark as possible, as quiet as possible. And if uh, earplugs help people, that's completely fine. Uh, in our hospital, um, in uh, when patient is admitted, they routinely get the kit containing uh, eye mask as well as earplugs <laughs> because hospital is very noisy environment because mm. of all these, you know, uh, monitoring devices, etc. So yes, that's definitely, uh, if it helps a person, definitely should be used. All right. I'm glad I asked that as well. Sanya, thank you very much for your time talking to us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Jim, for having me.